Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, co-founder of Women Innovate Mobile, Kelly Hoey, and tonight's guest, Chris Freilich, partner at First Round Capital, and Rachel Silver, senior manager of social media at Birchbox. Where did this all start and why video? So j just for a little context, I'm, I'm Chris Freilich. I'm a partner at First Round Capital. We, our day job is we're venture capitalists. We invest uh, money and provide a lot of help to early stage technology companies and internet companies and hopefully help them get get big. And we've got over 170 portfolio companies today. And this all started back in 2008. Uh, the, the main idea came from my partner, Josh Koppelman. And uh, the, the idea was the world was melting down financially, if you recall it. And there was a another venture firm had put out a basically a letter saying, RIP good times. It was basically telling every startup in their portfolio to batten down the hatches, the world is melting, it's never gonna get better again. And we thought, what would be better than just to do something completely different? And we did a video about dancing. And we just took little flip cams and went around the country and the world and took videos of us dancing with our startups to the theme of, do you remember Where the Hell is Matt? There was this viral video and we kind of went to that song and the same kind of look and feel. And, that started it, and we hope it shows off our portfolio companies. We hope it shows that we can have a little fun and we're human and not just robot VCs and make fun of ourselves a little bit, and that's, that's kind of what's behind the video. That's fantastic. Um, so, Rachel, what's your experience with the first round video? So I was actually saying um, before we came out here that I was interviewing with Birchbox in December 2011. And um, if you know anything about Birchbox, you can imagine that it's sort of everyone's dream job. And I went there once and I came home and I was like, I, I need to work there. Um, and that was when this video came out, the first one, or the first one that I had seen in 2011. And I saw it and I was like, okay, like this looks like the most amazing place to work. And it really like motivated me to, <laughs> to want to get that job. And then um, this year, so I was actually out of the office um, at another event the day that they shot all the Birchbox staffers dancing. And um, it was actually the day of our holiday party. So the day of the holiday party at Birchbox, all of the hair products and all of the makeup comes out and people are just curling their hair at their desks and like really, you know, activating the Birchbox merchandise. And I walked in to see, um, you know, a hundred people dancing <laughs> in their outfits for the holiday party. And I was like, just re-inspired about what an amazing place it is to work and remembered having seen the one the previous year and how it, you know, made me feel really excited about the opportunity. So it's a good recruitment tool, if nothing else. <laughs> Well, because it does say something about the companies and the enthusiasm to get involved. It says something about first round, and as you, as you said, you're not just, you know, stuffy VCs, you know, in terms of the personality behind it. Um, did it, all that traffic, the stories, the, the number of views, did it lead to more pitches? Uh, I, I believe so. I think, I think it's become something that we're associated with. And... I started noticing it even after the first year where we started getting uh, emails of people asking us when the next video would be coming out, that they're looking forward to it. And, and this last year, there were a pretty fair number of good guesses of which songs we were gonna parody. And you know, someone actually even got like the mashup of the two, of the two songs uh, in a guess before, before we launched it. But it, it, it's, you know, 
at the end of every video, we're inviting entrepreneurs. Like in the first one, it was like, would you like to dance with us next year? And, you know, the, you know call us maybe. Like it's all about trying to connect with, uh, you know, with entrepreneurs and new startups. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we might invest in 30 or 35 companies a year, but we'll, you know, we'll get introduced to and meet, you know, 2,500 or 3,000 every year. So this definitely helps, helps with uh, awareness and people, you know, literally saying, we want to be in your video. So <laughs> please look at our business me. Plan. I must be in your video. Um, <laughs> you never know, you know, never know on these things. Um, this for you though, Chris, in terms of the holiday video, this is not your personal, I want to say, exper first experience with the power of recording. Um, and we were talking earlier and you had a great um, blog post um, that I first saw with uh, you being an influencer on LinkedIn and having those posts. Talk to us about TED and I'm gonna say, your experience with that and really realizing, I'm gonna say that power of that recorded word. So uh, how many folks here have watched a TED talk? Okay, so basically the entire audience has watched How TED many talk. people here have ever been to TED? Real TED or TEDx? Was it a TEDx or a... Okay, TEDx. Another one over here. So, uh, TED is this thing that started a very long time ago and I stumbled upon almost 20 years ago and have been going for about 19 years. And back, back then, it was just this once a year event in Monterey and they sold, not many people bought, I was one of them, an audio recording of the conference on cassettes. And I always listened to books on tape and I just ate this stuff up. So I would, I would take these tapes and I would go home and record mixtapes basically, uh, or the best of Ted, you know, Ted five in, you know, 1994 or whatever year it was. And I would record these and you know, have tape to tape and duplicate them and I would hand them out to people that I thought were interested in all of this kind of stuff. And it, and you know, over the years, TED gained in popularity. Uh, I actually did some work for the TED conferences. Um, I was part of their strategic partnerships team in 2006 when we launched TED Talks and basically said this, what was a private little get together for a thousand people once a year, we're now gonna open up to the world. And um, BMW was the visionary sponsor that helped underwrite it. And we connected a lot of tech companies and, and um, we got it and we, and it launched and it hit and it connected. And six years later, they have been watched, these 18 minute talks have been watched over a billion times. You know, one of the great talks from TED that happened last week was this artist named Amanda Palmer. And she, it's now, as we speak here, it's probably hit one million views and it's been up for, you know, less than a week. And uh, it, it's really amazing to see how, how video has transformed the, the TED conference and experience and made it such a bigger thing that's available for free to the whole world. And yet the conference itself still sells out a year in advance and you can't get into it if you don't really work at it. But yet it's available free and it's changed, you know, it's 
maybe change the world a little bit in terms of lots of people thinking of these kinds of things and being and sharing them. Totally cool. I want to say Jill Bolte Taylor. It's still my favorite TED talk. Um, let's go to Birchbox. And uh, in our first conversation here with Meet the Innovators, the subject of haul videos came up. Now, we talked earlier, you have sort of some interesting venues and or sort of avenues that you're using um, with respect to video. Tell us about those. Sure, so um, what's interesting about Birchbox is we really attribute our early success to, to YouTube and to beauty vloggers on YouTube. Um, so when, uh, if you're not familiar with Birchbox, it's a, a discovery retail platform and we have a subscription business and an e-commerce business and we support both with content. Um, and our subscription business is for $10 a month, you get a box of curated luxury uh, beauty samples in the mail based on a beauty profile you fill out. Um, and then you try the products, you review them, you earn reward points to go buy the full-size products. Um, and so everyone gets a different Birchbox. You never get the same product twice, um, and you tailor it to your likes and dislikes. So when Birchbox first launched, um, beauty bloggers and beauty vloggers on YouTube picked up on this right away. And this is a really wild subculture if you're not familiar with it. These girls in their bedrooms with their webcams get millions and millions of views to their YouTube videos. Um, of varying degrees of production quality and they're totally amateur and they just like connect with people and people you know want to be their friends and want to try the styles and the looks they're doing so these girls started signing up for a birch box and opening their birch boxes and they would talk about what they got and everyone was getting different birch boxes and um, everyone wanted to get on the fun and it's you know, how we really attribute our growth in the beginning. And they're called haul videos. And people do haul videos about all kinds of things, but Birchbox is really famous for this. Um, and we, we've never asked anyone to make a haul video. We don't send them boxes for free. They're subscribers, they're customers. And they begin to establish relationships with one another and relationships with us because we interact with their videos and we share their videos across our social channels. And it helps us really know who our customers are and hear from their mouth what they like and what they don't like. So that's sort of the first big like video story of Birchbox. Um, the second piece is that our founders every single month create a sneak peek video where they take some of their favorite, most exciting products that are going to be in the Birchbox and they shoot an adorable video together where they talk about, oh my god, I, I love this lipstick, I'm so excited about it, here's why. And it's totally genuine. We've tried all of the products and it gets people really excited to wait and see what's going to be in their box. And these are our best performing videos every month and the brands like vie to be in them. Like when people um, give us samples to be in a Birchbox, like the first thing they say is like, can I be in Katya and Haley's sneak peek video that month? Um, and it's a great tool for us to be able to, you know, get these samples from the brands. And then the third piece is um, just tying content and commerce together, which is a major part of what Birchbox does. And we shoot videos that are um, manicure tutorials or um, hair tutorials, makeup tutorials, product tutorials, and we put them on our product pages on our site. And what we know is that, um, oh right, here's an example. What we know is that the pages that have video, um, the users who watch videos on birchbox.com convert at a higher rate, have a higher order value, and stay on the site longer. Um, and you know that's uh, that's why we do it. And and they have a better uh, they have a better experience um, shopping at Birchbox, and that's part of what differentiates us. So, and I'll add something to you know, when we invested in Birchbox, uh, they had I think 197 subscribers, so there wasn't. <laughs> You it wasn't know. that hockey stick yet. Yeah, and it was early in the hockey stick. And, 
you know, today they've got hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers, but what were some of the signs that you could look for that it was, um, you know, really about to take off? And one of the, like, we first learned about the company on Twitter. We saw your customers tweeting about you. And then one of the signs is they're making videos. You call them haul videos. We call them unboxing videos. But, but, but the point was unprovoked for no reason other than they loved the experience and what was inside and sharing it. They were making videos. And that was just a good sign that people were in love with, with the whole Birchbox experience. I love it, loving that product. Are they made in more than one language? Yeah, so Birchbox um, now exists in the UK, France, and Spain, um, and people are making unboxing videos in, in all those languages, which is pretty amazing to see. That's absolutely um, absolutely fun. What about other companies in your portfolio? Who's, who's using video? Um, w one that's probably related is called Refinery29. Uh, does anybody here read, follow Refinery29? So they... they they have a strong editorial point of view around fashion and they are increasingly creating video. In fact, they're, they're moving into a new 30,000 square foot office that includes full studios and they're gonna really you know, turn up the heat on video. I, you know, I'll give you another example is uh, you know, more in kind of a business to business standpoint is we have a, um, a company called Solve Media that has a, a product that replaces CAPTCHAs. You know those silly two-word combos that are really hard to type in? It replaces them with brand messages. So you might see a Pepsi can and you type in Pepsi refreshes. And they, they created, commissioned a you know, two-minute video that described their company. And they've you know, it's really told their story well, has been well received by everyone that watches it. They get it in two minutes, and it's sometimes you can, you can explain what you do really well in video format. And, and having that someone script it and storytell, um, you know, and then say the power of that, that word um, with describing your company. Let's go back to Refinery29, because when we were talking earlier, now you see with Refinery29, if they're talking about Birchbox. Let's talk about some of the things you see because of a video coming out and what it means in terms of, um, you know, I would say traction and action and, you know, enthusiasm for Birchbox. Sure, so yeah, what I, what I had mentioned about Refinery29 is like we're total fangirls of them and when they pick up, so we produce this content to support the shopping experience of our customers and to, we house it on YouTube and on our product pages, but it's also content that could be consumed by non-subscribers, non-customers, and lots of people shop on Birchbox.com for, for beauty and lifestyle items that aren't subscribers just because it's a great shopping experience. We... Um, write all of the copy on all the product pages ourselves and support that with content. Um, and we have a blog and we have a magazine where we talk about how to use the product. So sometimes um, another outlet like Refinery29 will take one of our manicure tutorial videos and use it just because 
you don't have to be a Birchbox shopper to want to know how to do leopard nails. Everyone needs to know how to get a leopard manicure. It's not that hard, actually. You can see it on our I'm YouTube gonna go channel. Wa- I'm going to watch the YouTube, and I will have um, a leopard manicure. But another thing we've seen really come out of our videos is people really get to know Birchbox and the Birchbox staffers. Um, so, for example, um, when those sneak peek videos are done, people sort of fall in love with our founders, Kati and Haley, because they're so genuine. And they've really tried all of the products, and they really are excited about them, um, and they've become sort of like celebrities within our community and we shot a video um, last month with this comedy duo called Seriously, the Seriously Girls. You should check them out. They're really talented and hilarious and they made this sort of parody video about Katya's hair. So everyone, she has fabulous hair Um, and it's sort of like a joke whenever we do a sneak peek video, people are like, okay, I'm excited about my box, but how did Katya do her hair for that video? So we made a video of these girls sort of um, following her around, asking her for tips about her hair. Did you blow dry your hair? Did you curling iron your hair? Does your hair have a Pinterest board? So we made a Pinterest board full of the products Katya uses and pictures of Katya's hair. And we were sharing it you know, in the video with a hashtag. And we saw all these people talking about Katya's hair on Twitter just because they've gotten to know her through our video and through our content to the point where we can create jokes on top of that that people totally get and, and talk about. So that um, is, is pretty cool. Cracking me up. Yeah. Pinterest board, I mean, maybe we were talking about this before, which other CEO has, you know, maybe a Pinterest board for hair, and that's probably Donald Trump, but right. we, we, won't go, we, won't, we won't go there. Um, what's the downside with video? What's the danger? What's the downside? Where do you kind of pause and go, okay, let's take a step back from the video? I, I, I would start with video can take a long time to watch. So sometimes if you're not capturing someone's attention super early on, uh, you, you may never, you may lose them. Uh, and so there may be other ways to get information across uh, faster. I think the other thing is uh, you have to talk about positives and negatives. So YouTube changes everything with video distribution. We've seen it at first round, the TED folks have seen it. Um, you know, the numbers don't lie. It's 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 really changed everything, and that's the positive, embeddable, shareable video that plays everywhere. But the comments in YouTube can be pretty brutal. It's a it's a tough place there that uh, for some reason Google hasn't fixed that or paid too much attention to how to uh, you know make it a you know a more clean, well lit place. Uh, for, for you know for interaction and sometimes things can get kind of nasty in the comments so that's something you just have to either be brace up for or try and steer I think you've, you've learned some things at Birchbox on that front yeah so I sort of say um, like in my experience managing social for Birchbox that there's sort of a hierarchy of the nastiness of people on on social media and like Twitter the people are the nicest um, and then and then Facebook and then YouTube is really really down there and you know, obviously, um, Facebook is your real face and your real name, so that's obvious. And Twitter, it's sort of going out into a vast universe, not on someone's page. And, and YouTubers, people, yeah, you'd be shocked how angry people get when their friend got the lipstick they wanted in their birch box. I mean, really angry. But so we were watching that month over month, like in the mix of these people who are, I love birch box so much, I love my box. There's a lot of people saying, 
um, how come she got that and I didn't or um, you know, all different kinds of things. And so we were like, how can we turn this conversation around and not control the conversation, but guide it and get the quality of responses we know are in there because we love our customers and um, we know they have, you know, wonderful things to say. So when we did this monthly sneak peek video, we started ending it with a question. Um, so for example, if the every month there's a theme for the Birchbox. So um, for example, if the theme is travel, at the end of the video, we'll say, well, what are your beauty travel tips and tricks? What products do you take when you travel? Um, let us know in the comments below for a chance to win everything you see in this video. Um, you know, so it's maybe like 10 full-size beauty products. And instantly, the conversation totally changed. And not just because people wanted the prize, but because we asked them a question. And they started giving us really quality user-generated content, telling us their travel beauty tips and tricks and what products they love. And then they start talking to each other. And like instantly, it becomes a really upbeat place. Um, and we've seen that happen month over month. And um, you just have to ask people what, what you want to hear from them sometimes. And, and you can guide things a different way. Great, great suggestion. Have you ever found products because of the videos that have been out there about Birchbox? Yeah, like uh, two months ago, we were actually on the corner in Soho, and we were um, had asked over social media um, for our customers who live around here to come and meet up with us um, and show us what was in their makeup bags in their purse. And tons of our customers came, and um, we actually discovered some new beauty products that we didn't know about from our customers on, on the corner in Soho. And um, pass them on to our beauty partnerships team to see if we could get some of them in the box. Um, so we're helping people discover and our customers are helping us discover as well. There, there we go. Um, I can keep asking questions. I suspect there's probably people here who have got questions um, and I'd rather hear your questions at this point in the evening. Um, so questions. Hi Kelly. Hi. You look great. Um, hi, my name is Angela, and I recently started Republic Spaces um, Marketplace for pop-up shops, which I would love to talk to Chris about you later. Um, it's getting great traction. But anyways, my question regarding um, videos is that, sorry. Um, so what are the um, statistics in regard to pictures versus image? And in terms of social media, I'm sure there's a way that you somehow, w what is the best tactic for leading to video? I don't feel like necessarily it's like a, you know, immediate thing, there's probably like an in-between step. So what are these tactics that you guys are using? So a couple things. One is um, if people don't think they're in the mind frame to watch a video, they might not watch one. And we all know that you can fall down the YouTube black hole when you weren't planning on it, but sometimes people are in a hurry. So one thing I do is I, I bitly all of my links. So if you auto-shorten them from YouTube, it says YouTube and people know it's a video. So if you want just everyone to click on it, whether they're in the mood for video or not, if you make it, if you shorten it another way, then um, you can just say, learn about these top five spring manicure trends and they don't know if they're going to a photo or to a blog post or to a video. So that's one thing. Um, and whenever I'm sharing video on Facebook, I, um, when we get a new video, the first time I share it, I'll share it on Facebook like to embed the video. But again, if somebody isn't in the mind frame to watch a video or, or you know, maybe they're at their computer at work or something. Um, the next time we share it, we'll actually take a screen grab and share it as a large image. So they're drawn in to learn more and, and maybe they don't even realize they're going to a video. Um, but once they're there, you know, the, our videos get a lot of views so we know people are happy once they're there. But if you think you're in a hurry or you don't think you're in the video mind space, um, you might not be as apt to click as if you don't quite know where you're going, you just want the content. Uh, when, when we launch our 
holiday videos, we try and coordinate the release and you know, we're getting stories written about it, we're emailing folks, we're using all the social media to you know, try and hit it so you get people where they are. I think a, a small thing, but it's important, is what is the, what's the key frame? What is the image that is representing this video? And in some ways, it's kind of what's the headline in a news story? And, and it's more important than you think. And it was funny, because I, I was part of the scene, if you, you see where, where uh, we have the explosion scene, and I was one of the two guys you know, being blown up off of, the, off of the, the stage there. And we just knew when we were filming it, they stopped the film, it was just this great shot of the big fireball going up 20 feet, and both of us in the air, and Josh you know, with his jacket, and it, we just said, that's, that's it. That's gonna be the, the hook, our image, that we're gonna use for, for everything, so I, I would think think about that, but I also think you have to set expectations of like how much time is this, or do people know who you are, what to expect, so that they don't, you know, you know, they're quickly looking at the countdown timer if they if they don't understand that. Um, and just to the other like you Bitly things, the TED folks have found they've built a beautiful TED app. If you've got an iPad, you should downloaded, it's one of my favorite apps, and you can queue up or download talks in advance so that you can watch them on airplanes or wherever you happen to be. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Um, is there an ideal length for a video? Is there, you know, if the number, like, is, is there like, no, it has to be, we has to be shorter than, this is, seems to be the right appetite? I think the industry standard is two and a half minutes or less. Um, we want our tutorials to be like the best quality and so sometimes we'll go over or with our sneak peek videos where we know we have this built-in audience but i think um the soundbite to that question is that um like the stats show it should be two and a half minutes or less and do you, and do you do any sort of like shorter little snippets like almost say almost it's almost like now with con written content you know what can you put in 140 characters mm -hmm. what are you putting in a short paragraph what are you doing into delve into something deeper are you doing that as well with your videos well the way we shoot them is so um if it's a tutorial we make sure you see the end shot um like right away towards the beginning of the video so you know what you're gonna get um so you want to watch and see the end so you see this beautiful French braid and you realize you'll, you'll get there if you watch it. And if you just start the video being like, hi, I'm Rachel, I'm gonna teach you how to do a, a fishtail braid, um, they might drop off until they actually see that finished product. So that's something we try to, try to execute. And I just also say people's attention spans are so short and that if you're, if you're asking them to give more than a minute or two, you really have to help them understand what's there. And so you know, we're increasingly creating content at first round, and we have a lot of events and speakers. And I'll give one example. We had uh, a speaker who's the head of engineering at Etsy um, over in Brooklyn, and, and uh, he came and spoke about how they uh, created and increased their number of women engineers by almost 500%. And told a great story in a you know, maybe 15 minute video. Uh, we, we took that video and gave it a great, great headline with the 500% number. And then we transcribed the entire talk, or at least broke it into the key points in text, 
so that at a glance or a quick read through, you could know what was in there. And if it was appropriate, then you could watch the whole video. And it, it got a ton of traction and other authors rewrote stories on the exact same content. And I think that for that content, it would, if we hadn't thoughtfully done, you know, all the text around it, the headline and how we pushed it, just putting out the 15 minute video, I don't think would have gotten anywhere near the, the traction. It's kind of almost the war and peace of video, 15 minutes. Um, qu more questions. Angela can't be the only one with questions. There we go. Um, so I have two questions for both of you. Um, one is, do you have a sense of, is there a certain demographic that's most, in terms of customers, most responsive to videos? The second is, when um, you were speaking about refinery, um, and also for your company, do you know uh, what percentage of the marketing or PR budget is devoted to equipment, people to make videos, manage the videos, et cetera? What, what percentage? Um, sure, so we, um, our video budget and our video production falls under our editorial team. We think of all of our videos just like we think of our written content. And we actually have um, a production company that we work with that does them for us. So what's really interesting is the story I told at the beginning about the girls doing unboxing videos in their bedroom with no production costs and no production, you know, um, input, and they get millions of views they're able to do that because it's genuine, that's who they really are. And we produce um, videos all across the spectrum. We produce a video um, with Benefit, which is referenced up there at the Benefit store with very high production value, just that was the only thing we shot that day. And then we'll do them in the studio and shoot five or 10. And then we'll do them in our office as well because we want people to get to know us in our office, but also we're, um, an e-commerce company, we're, we're selling products and we want them to be really high quality content so people um, trust us and, and trust that we're putting a lot into this and teaching them how to use it. And if we made all the videos in the office at our desks, it might not give um, that same impression. So I think, you know, you need to consider like varying degrees of like production quality. And then I think in terms of the audience, I think that's more about where you put it. So we know that different people are watching video on YouTube than on Facebook than, than on our site. Um, and where you really see the differential is who um, makes videos back. So when we host like a campaign on Instagram versus Twitter versus YouTube, the user generated content you see coming back at you is what really varies per channel. YouTube obviously skews much, much younger, probably the youngest that we see coming back um, compared to Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I, I say I don't, I don't know facts, but my instinct is that it, it video skewing a lot younger. Um, but I think that on the and I don't know budgets exactly, but I, I would say that it's getting cheaper every year, all the time. You know, all the tools that Apple and the whole ecosystem provide just make it ridiculously cheaper, better. And but I, I would also say that it's worth having a professional. Uh, you know, if not on staff, someone you work with regularly, or even you know, there's now increasingly services. Uh, I can think of one's called Smart Shoot dot com and you can have a professional photographer or videographer you know do a project for you you know relatively quickly and cheaply and it's worth it what are you finding with where, where people are consuming the video um, in terms of different devices and and are you noticing anything interesting 
with trends there. And I'm, I'm holding my hand like this, thinking the number of people watching, you know. Yeah, mobile is going up and up and up all the time. Um, most of our videos are watched um, on YouTube or like the YouTube player being embedded. But um, mobile is just keeps going up. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had some stats here from, uh, you know, from our last year. So we had over 100,000 video views. That's over 250,000 minutes of video watched. 20% um, came from mobile. So that's even smaller than I would have thought, but it, it's still a pretty meaningful percent. 55% came direct to YouTube. 14% from our own landing page, 11% Facebook, 7% Twitter, and then going down, going down from there. Interesting. So in terms of, um, and do you think, you know, maybe get Brett back up here uh, next time. Um, do you think differently about how you shoot these things for mobile? I don't think we've shot them differently, but basically you're looking for the, the highest quality possible and, you know, hopefully making it adaptive so it could play well enough in the lowest quality. We are. We've, we've started shooting um, like our tutorial videos differently. So um, if you're watching it on a small screen, you need to get closer to people's nails to show the leopard design, or you need to angle differently to show a braid um, on the back of your hair. Or when you're working with a brand and you're showcasing their skincare products, it's really important to them. Um, a brand partner, that's what I mean when I say brand uh, the brands that we put in our box are part of our content and sometimes their experts will come in and we'll shoot like how to properly wash your face with this particular cleanser and they want their package and their brand to be seen so if it's a small screen you have to consider that differently and do different sorts of close-ups and we're um, you know thinking about that more and more all the time cool. more questions Hi, thanks, Joyce Sullivan. Um, you mentioned that you're in a couple of different international markets, so I was interested, and also for both of you, uh, for video, do you find the use of video or how it's used in different, you mentioned, I think, France, um, do you change how you prepare for those markets or do you find it's pretty consistent? Same thing with, uh, I guess, for startups. Do you have any advice if they are in different geographies versus, say, U.S. for video? We treat our content, which includes social media and video, um, almost totally separately in all of our markets because we really want our customers to get the best user experience. And um, even between our, our London and our New York office, the language just, just isn't quite the same and the trends just aren't quite the same. And um, if you have a bunch of American staffers doing beauty tutorials or beauty videos, it's just not going to translate the same way even though they, they literally do understand. And so we have separate Facebook pages, separate YouTube channels, separate Twitter handles, separate blogs, separate magazines in all of our languages. Um, but what I can tell you is that the other markets, I mean, while they're physically smaller, their consumption of social media is, is smaller also in terms of percentages. Like Pinterest here is massive, especially for brands like Refinery or brands like Birchbox, and they just don't... Um, see the same traction over there yet and and youtube as well it's big but you know maybe there's a handful of french beauty youtubers who are massive and here there's thousands um so it, it doesn't scale the same way i guess we, we didn't do anything for our own video differently internationally and i'm not sure what the viewership was but if i think about our portfolio companies that you know either 
are producing a lot of video or if they're in the business of selling ads around video, like we've got a company called Tremor, Tremor Video that does that, what, what you might, it wouldn't be unusual to find half of your traffic coming from overseas as opposed to the US. What you might find though is that from a advertising revenue standpoint, the, the international traffic is worth a fraction of what the US is, which is basically saying advertisers are looking more for a US audience. That used to be a bigger deal before YouTube when you might be paying for the bandwidth and all these views that you weren't able to monetize. But today, you know, for a big chunk of, of what happens, YouTube's taking care of that for you. Cool. Quest, I, I saw you sitting there in the fourth row. Question. Hi, um, I'm Lindsay. I work in video production and I'm a huge fan of social media as well and the integration. And um, I try and push to our clients all the time, you know, the importance of video and using it on multiple platforms. But their constant question is across the board is what's the ROI? What's the return on investment and how do you, you know, manage that and how do you kind of gauge it among all of these different you know, websites and platforms. So uh, I'll repeat an answer that um, the social media vice president at DKNY said to that kind of a question, and it's what's the ROI of that billboard or of the, you know, the ad that we run in a magazine? It's hard to measure there. And so uh, yeah, that, that's one answer. The, the other I'd say is, people are starting to figure it out and your audience, your customers are on all these social channels. You can't not be there. You have to be there to start figuring it out. I think an important question is, what do I say to my you know, million followers and is it video and is it images or you know, am I putting out press releases or just trying to sell something every moment or am I building a voice and, and you know, cultivating a relationship, that's a little harder. And, um, you know, the, and, there, and there's some people say these things don't have ROI or it's too hard to track and, you know, you, you, know, you, can't, you can't bet on it or put super hard numbers on it yet, but just instinctually you, you know you have to be playing there in my opinion. And I want to say, what's the ROI of you know being able to attract an, um, you know great talent, um, or someone deciding they're going to send you their pitch deck because they now feel they know you, they you know in terms of the video um, and are doing something in a genuine way. And yeah, I mean, there pro probably is bigger ROI questions if they're asking you why. But you're, but you're, you know, even if the, you know, the R may not be dollars, it may be engagement. It may be how many people looked at it, how many people watched it the whole way through, how many people liked it on Facebook or commented back, and that, that should be a big part of how you look at the return, I think. I, I always tell people like two things. One, like you have to be where your customers are. How could you not be where your customers are, especially with social media? You can be. You can do it yourself. So maybe if not every business translate 
as well onto all channels as other businesses do. Maybe you make one video that tells how your service works and that's the one video on your channel and then acting as your channel, you find people making videos in your industry and you interact with them and you share them and you comment on them. You're still active on the YouTube community. Um, you have to figure out what's the right type of content for my business and what's the right type of ROI for my business. Exactly, more questions. Hi, just to follow up on your last comment on potentially doing one video, it used to be kind of the dogma that if you were going to do a blog, wait until you could do blog content regularly and put that out to your customers so they would you know, be expecting it and be seeing it. Do you think of video in the same way or would you recommend putting your toe in the water or kind of waiting until you had a real strategy for ongoing content there? I think you can't have dead channels. You know, there's nothing worse than somebody starting a Twitter handle and then you look at it and they haven't used it in a month. But I think you also have to be a realistic. And if you can write one blog post every week and be consistent with that, so if someone looks back, they know that blog post is coming from you on Mondays, I think that's okay. If you can do a video every month, I think that's okay as long as you don't let your channels feel dead. So if you are logging in and commenting on other people and watching other videos and responding to all the comments under your video and saying, we have another one coming. Like, I think that's okay. I think, um, you know, the worst thing you can do in social media is be afraid. Like, that's the opposite of what social media is. It's fast paced, it's democratic, it's, um, you know, act now, apologize later if you have to kind of platform. And if you um, are just waiting and waiting, you're just missing it out and missing out. Yeah, uh, w one of my favorite quotes from Seth Godin, uh, the marketing guru, is about blogging. He said, the first thousand blog posts are the hardest, and then it's all downhill and gets a little easier. And his point is, you just have to crank this stuff out on some, some pace. And I, the thing I would add to it is, don't try and you know, create the Oscar you know, award-winning, you know, 20-minute video out of the gate. I, I, I would say start small, and also don't be afraid to fail. You know, it, you know, it's okay if you try something and it doesn't work, and you you learn from it and do it different and better next time. Unless you're that hall video where the girl. Oh birch my hair god! Off. If you haven't seen that one, it's a good one. It was a tutorial. You can on how see to it on the Birchbox blog. <laughs> <laughs> and our Facebook page and our Twitter. We like couldn't believe that that happened. Yeah, if you're going to do a haul video, you know, maybe practice first before you burn off a large chunk of your hair. Um, last question. Someone's got to have a last question. I can't have the last word. So hi. So um, speaking about you know being willing to fail, is there anything generally that you've seen in videos that? just does not work at all and people should not try because it's been tried and really goes off badly? I think um, back to the discussion about having, you know, a standard of production video. So we shoot videos in our office, but, you know, make sure the lighting looks okay. Make sure there's not like, you know, old food containers like hanging around your living room or like dirty laundry in the background or if you're in your office make sure there's not people having a loud conversation in the corner like not everyone can hire a production company but just be thoughtful try to make it <laughs> visibly visually pleasing um and if you watch enough videos you start to pick up you know what those things are that are really off-putting um that's sort of like the first thing you can do i think 
production value counts, and you you can learn pretty quickly. If you look, if you go back to our first video in 2008, it was really handmade by people that didn't know what they were doing before they were good cameras, and you know you you we, can we didn't want to you can increase anything, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the production quality, um, but, and but but don't don't be boring. That's probably another good piece of advice, the best you can. Thank, Thank you. you again. Thank you all around.